Welcome to Travel Worth Living, a travel podcast helping to share adventure stories from around the world. My name is Seth, and I'll be your host today as I talk with a girl who grew up in Luxembourg, in a true melting pot of cultures. From an early age, she realized the value of learning more about how other people view and experience the world. We had a great conversation as she shares some of the things she learned while growing up in a multicultural school, her favorite Greek foods and how they celebrate Easter, and why slowing down while traveling is so important. So without further ado, here is my conversation with Elena. So I was born in Luxembourg. My mom uh, is Greek. My dad is Italian and Russian. Um, So I'm officially Italian and Greek, but born and raised and grew up in Luxembourg. Um, I did um, all my high school, whatever you would call that, uh, here. And then... uh, worked a little bit here, then went to do my bachelor's degree in the UK, then came back you, to Luxembourg. And when you say here, we're recording... In Luxembourg, yeah, I'm okay. talking about Luxembourg, yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> I lived most of my life in Luxembourg, and then went to the UK, in to Southampton, uh, for my bachelor's degree, then came back to Luxembourg, worked a little bit, took a break, and then decided to move to Iceland for my master's degree and I've been in Iceland for the past three years now. Wow, that's awesome. So I would like to start by talking a little bit about Luxembourg. So for those who don't know anything about this country, where is it? <laughs> so it's um, the center of Europe, I would say. <laughs> it's a tiny little dot in the middle of Europe. It's in between France, uh, Belgium, Germany. And uh, it's really, I don't know the, the how big it is, like the uh, surface, but it has doubled the population of Iceland. That's all I know. It's, <laughs> we're about 600,000 people. Oh, wow. um, and it's really just a melting pot of nationalities and, and just people from all around the world. So Luxembourg wasn't much until until the um, after the second world war but then uh with mining like iron mining and Mm -hmm. things like that the country developed and they developed really quickly and so it attracted a lot of migrants Mm -hmm. and also with with the the european union the start of the european union so the first three countries that came together were benelux it was belgium Netherlands and Luxembourg and they created the beginning of the European Union and then other countries started to join in but uh, long story short my parents moved here in Luxembourg because they started working for the European Commission okay as many other uh, people that moved here to uh, Luxembourg in the 80s and uh, because they, a lot of people from a lot of countries came together in this, like here in Brussels and in uh, France for uh, the European Union, what happened was that they created this uh, European school where uh, kids from workers, no, what are they called? Yeah, just uh, workers from other countries or yeah. immigrate immigrants. Yeah, so they could come and do their school in their uh, original language. Oh, wow. Yeah, so and follow their curriculum from their original country. 
but in a way it was also uh, put together so that there will be you know you you kind of learn a lot about other, like you uh, strengthen the bonds between countries and between uh, we, we kind of like live in this like idealized like I've explained this so many times and now of course I cannot explain it but like <laughs> they really like brainwash you with the idea that Europe is great and you should love your neighbor and your per- the person that next to you even if you're not you know from the same country and you just learn to love their you know uh, traditions and their language and whatever and all this stuff so it kind of it's kind of like our school becomes like a microcosmos a micro Hmm. europe and yeah and luxembourg is basically the same it's just just people from everywhere in europe and also outside of europe just in one country Um, majority of the population in here is uh i would say yeah foreigners non-luxembourgers and or luxembourgians (laughs) (laughs) and uh, it's it's really special place to see like you would go to a pub here to a bar and in on each table you will have people speaking a different language and that's totally normal you're not shocked so it's a true like melting pot of europe yeah so and we grew up uh, people from the European school all around. The, they they made more European schools because of uh, the European Commission, the European Parliament, and all of these things in the places where these um, offices were. And we all have, I think, I guess, this kind of uh, similar mentality about Europe or view about Europe. How like, I mean, I don't see many differences. I see all of the differences between an Italian and a Spanish person, but at the same time, it's I consider them cousins, not like completely two different um, people. Two different people from yeah. different areas. Yeah. yeah. You see all the because, ways that they are um, similar. Yeah, all the ways they're similar because, yeah, we just, we just grew up together in my school, like, and we made fun of each other and it was just really like you make fun of your cousins or you know your brothers or sisters something like that and then you come out of uh, Luxembourg and you go visit the actual country and then you realize that oh um, things are a little bit different (laughs) because let's say um, with the UK I used to love all English people at school I thought they were so amazing they were great they were so open-minded and everything and then when I went to study in the UK and I found myself a little bit um, shocked maybe maybe it was the place where I was in Southampton but I felt like I was treated a lot more like a foreigner and not just a European mm-hmm. person just like that you know like a part of the European Union so um, it felt like I didn't belong as much there Mm -hmm. are you know there was this kind of wall that was built you felt like a foreigner yeah i think we grew up with the idea that for us foreigners were outside of the eu you know like Mm -hmm. like africa or asia or yeah americas yeah yeah so it's already like kind of a way our brain was shaped from the beginning i think yeah like molded from really early on 
what would you say is the most um, influential culture that kind of feeds into the Luxembourg culture? Like, is it more, what is another country it's most like, or is it pretty unique? I'd say it's pretty unique because of this melting pot, because it doesn't, yeah. it doesn't get stuck in one direction. Uh, I would say that uh, when I was growing up, French was the language that you could, uh, so Luxembourg has three official languages also, another oh, wow. just to add to the craziness. Um, it's French, Luxembourgish, because that's actually a language, and then German. And um, when I was growing up, uh, I you could just choose one of these languages and just be okay with not speaking the other two. Um, and uh, yeah, for me, it was French. And I remember like most of the places people were speaking French at least, you know, so you could talk to them in French. But then I guess with more uh, Eastern European countries uh, coming into the EU, uh, EU uh, English started to become more um, important. Mm -hmm. And uh, I think most places now speak English or at least have some someone speaking English. So the in that sense language has changed languages yeah. that we speak in the country has changed but otherwise it's still just pretty mixed you will have just one culture influencing everything yeah so how many languages do you speak now four sort of fluently because as you can see i struggle with every language <laughs> <laughs> no you're great I do. And then uh, I'm I learning. struggle with English and I only know one. So I think it's just completely normal. <laughs> it just it's it's a struggle. But uh, then I'm learning Icelandic or I'm trying to learn Icelandic, too. So I'd say that I understand a little bit of Icelandic now and I can sort of try to speak sometimes, especially if I'm drunk. <laughs> and that comes easier. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so it's Italian, Greek, French. Uh, and English and Icelandic. Nice. But I wouldn't really count Icelandic yet. You mentioned you speak Greek because uh, I th your mom is Greek? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, tell me a little bit about your time in Greece. Did you go there a lot when you were growing up? Yeah. So this was the main trip we did every year. Mm -hmm. So my parents both worked for the European Commission, and they both had most of their family in Greece because my dad was also born in Greece, actually. And that's how they met. They met in Greece. Oh, okay. Every year, uh, they would try to get all of their holidays together and just keep all of their days for the summer so they could go and visit their family. So every year, we would go and visit my uncles and aunts in Greece. So I've been in Greece every, every year since I was six months old. <laughs> wow. What's your favorite yeah. fruit, food from Greece? <sighs> There's too many things. <laughs> <laughs> um, maybe lamb, like lamb chops. Greek yeah. lamb chops are amazing, better than Icelandic lamb chops. And I think now I'm not going to be allowed to go back to Iceland anymore. Feta. <laughs> uh, no, okay. No, no. Yeah. My favorite Greek food is feta. Definitely. <laughs> Could put feta and when you everything. say feta, I know feta is a cheese. 
Yeah. Uh, but what kind of dish is that? Or do you just like the cheese on anything? Just the cheese. Just oh, nice. everywhere and on everything and at any time during the day. <laughs> just... <laughs> that's the thing you would get like my grandma you would go um get home and my friends would come visit and she would just grab a piece of feta and just shove it in their faces and be like eat <laughs> just they're like grandma leave them alone just eat and <laughs> just give them feta like this and you can just have it with everything it's the best cheese ever but you cannot find easily good feta outside of greece yeah and how do you often eat feta? Is it like fresh or is it because I know a lot of times you can get um, feta in the oil in the jars. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that's not real feta. I don't know what that is. I don't understand what <laughs> got so upset every time that I see that. Uh, but no, it, it, so yeah, feta is kind of um, it's this big block of cheese. OK, that you get uh, it's uh you usually get it in, um, it's kept in brine so that it doesn't get dry. So it's, uh, mm-hmm. it's a pretty moist cheese. Uh, you have different kinds. They can be really salty or less salty. And you just cut a piece and you can either like eat it like this on the side of your dish or you can have it on bread with tomato best thing ever or (laughs) if you want something a little bit sweeter you can add instead of tomato you can put uh honey on it and even sesame seeds Uh, and yeah you can have it with a watermelon like feta and watermelon that's something that my mom would used to eat when she um would go to the beach she would just have like watermelon feta and that was their you know lunch or (laughs) nice (laughs) Oh, man, the beach and watermelon and feta. Man, that sounds so yeah. nice right now. Yeah, just Greek food in general is just uh, the best. I need to go to Greece and eat some of that food. That sounds so good. You mentioned you mentioned some special memories from Easter as well. What is important or what, what do they, they do for Easter there in Greece? So Easter in Greece is like, I would say, the American Christmas. No, like... Thanksgiving, I don't know, like a big holiday. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> so it's our, it's, yeah, it's, it's a big, big holiday. So you go to um, uh, church a lot and you're fasting also um, during Lent before uh, Easter. So you kind of give up everything that comes from animals with blood um, for uh, about 40 days-ish, yeah. Four weeks or more and um, so it's this big build-up to Easter and then on Easter night on the Saturday night when there's the resurrection so mm-hmm. you go to church you go with a candle and you wait until midnight until when like Jesus is resurrected mm-hmm. um, and early then on the first you, day yeah, the big <laughs> shabam thing. And then you uh, light up the candles. Um, there's this holy light that comes straight from Jerusalem. Uh, so there's actually priests that go to uh, Jerusalem every year. They get the holy light and then they go back to Greece and all the other places that they have the church- churches. And then they just bring the light. 
And so you get this light, this holy light from the priest, and you just share it around. And then you get the um, uh, communion, and then you go home and have your Easter uh, dinner at three o'clock in the morning. So <laughs> oh, <laughs> kind of wow. when, mass, when mass is over. Uh, so you eat uh, soup made of uh, all the remains of the lamb, the insides of the lamb, kind of. And uh, you just, you know, get that, maybe a few more things, um, break some eggs uh, together. Have you ever watched uh, My Big Fat Greek Wedding? I actually haven't yet, no. Oh, God, you have to watch that. So <laughs> you have this thing where you just um, um, break eggs against each other. So each person has one egg, and then you, like, go against each egg, and you try to break each other's egg. And the oh, winner is just the... the winner the winner <laughs> yeah <laughs> you recommend that movie though as yes, somebody with definitely. greek heritage if you okay. want to have an idea of what a little bit growing up in a greek family is you should watch it because even though it's a lot of comedy and like caricature of like greeks in a way it is pretty accurate hmm. but yeah so like anyway yeah the egg you you play with the eggs and then uh, then you go to sleep and then in the morning you wake up and then you put a big lamb on the spit and then you roast it <laughs> slowly and then you drink ouzo and you play music and you uh, just have this big like you know party uh, for Easter and just the whole family comes in like friends and other people are invited and you have this huge like uh, roasted lamb and all the other stuff that comes from the lamb too and tzatziki and <laughs> all of the best greek foods uh, together and what yeah. is that and drink? it's just a big holiday hmm? what is that drink that you had uzo uzo yeah it's um um i don't know how is it called it in in english uh an anise seed like hmm. kind of thing so mm -hmm. It's it's a uh, you drink it cold you drink it with ice and you can mix mix it with water and it kind of becomes like milky I don't know if you've ever seen that it's yeah really okay yeah wow that sounds really really delicious yeah, it's fun and I think it's really great because you can see I remember growing up and uh, telling my friends like my Easter is better than your Easter because on my Easter my priest gets drunk and then dances with everybody <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that was fun <laughs> That's fantastic. And which faith is that is that the Greek Orthodox Church? Yeah, Greek Orthodox. I'd say that my family is um, like we're Greek Orthodox Maybe we don't practice really it. Mm -hmm. We're not yeah a lot we go for these big um, holidays. My mom goes mostly, so it's kind of a tradition thing. You you follow like you know your mom's footsteps a little bit and tradition, because mm -hmm. her mom also was really be big believer. And I guess we're just also kind of going because it it creates this bond, this like intergenerational bond. I think. Yeah. Like, I I don't really care um, what people's what faith people are uh, like what, what they believe in as long as it's respectful of of 
every human being. And mm. I wouldn't say that um, doesn't matter, but I think I would still uh, try to keep some of these traditions for my kids in the future. But then they can do whatever they want. I don't care if they do really believe or not. It's more a cultural, traditional yeah. thing for you. Yeah. And I, I feel like you have a really good uh, tolerance attitude. And I think that stems directly from the worldview you gained while growing up in that school you were talking yeah. about, which I think is amazing. And I feel like travel does that to you as well. You know, you kind of had it hyper infused into you at a young age. But yeah. for people who travel, they can go around and see like different worldviews and different cultures and traditions and hey you know what we do at home isn't always the best way like there's things we can learn from each other yeah exactly and i think that's uh, yeah the beauty of like i guess in a way um growing up well, in my school we were able to travel a little bit around just from talking to each other and just learning from each other's culture like this and just um you know partying like we would ad adopt uh, traditions from each other's country like from other countries so mm -hmm. it wasn't really christmas until the um, uh, scandinavians went around the corridors singing santa lucia so it's this they would dress up in white and just go around the school and all the lights would you know be turned off so that the girls could go and walk and do this procession around school with the candles. And then everybody knew about Greek uh, Easter, you know. So because we had a special, we Greeks had the opportunity to have one uh, free, um, like holiday. We could get like a free day when others went to school because the Greek Easter doesn't always coincide with uh, um, Catholic Easter. Yeah, okay. Because yeah, okay. Of, it follows another calendar. And so often it wouldn't be in the same time where we had holidays for like Easter holidays. So then like two weeks later or a month later, we would have one free, like, oh, I'm not going to school on Monday because it's, you know, Monday after Easter. And so, yeah, nice. <laughs> sucks to be you, non-Greeks. <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> So it's just a lot of little traditions like this. Um, I think we grew up learning a lot of from each other. We would then, I remember I was walking around um, Luxembourg two days ago and uh, I stopped in front of a spot where I remember we had the botellon and that's a thing like that Spanish people do. They just go in places that are not bars. They just go into like uh, a park or uh, something and they just drink before going, not going to a bar or before going to a bar. I don't remember really exactly how that's done, but I remember we just went there all like nationalities and just with the Spanish people and just like drank. And then I don't remember if we went to a bar after or not, but it's, it's just this It was hard to remember after that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember all the things that I'm not gonna tell about <laughs> in this podcast, but you know. Yeah, you get kind of you 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 can you kind of start to have this um, you start to pick and choose the traditions you want to keep in your life and the culture like the the things you want you like you know so I I you start decorating your house with uh, um, Nordic uh, like Christmas like 
horses and I don't know things like that I think you see that Swedish people use for Christmas or like the to decorate you know all the IKEA stuff before IKEA was even this big uh, thing or like Nordic uh, home deco was such a big thing we already were like oh that's such a cute thing you know like that's a like let's have this there and that's really amazing and I know you've you wrote in your preform about how you don't feel like you're a big explorer. Um, you're more of just, you know, you like to explore the everyday stuff, the mundane stuff. And I'm kind of hearing that as we're talking, you are very uh, introspective and you like to kind of experience other cultures just in your own life. And I think yeah. that's really good because I think a lot of times people who travel a lot, it's almost like they're trying to fill a void. You know, they're trying to see as much as they can and just, you know, oh, I'm more most comfortable if I'm in a crazy environment, like meeting new friends. And, you know, they're they're just really trying to um, fill a need they have. And you're kind of just almost the opposite. You're just like, yeah, I'm just very relaxed. Like I pick up traditions that I like and kind of put it in my life and just use, you know, this cool aspect of that country. And I really like that. Yeah. I think that's awesome what you're doing. Yeah, I think that's exactly like I, I when you asked me also about this podcast, I was like, oh, I, I don't I'm not such a big traveler. I don't really or like I haven't traveled that much. But yeah, I do like I, I always want to be an explorer or a traveler and uh, um i was i just thought about all of this uh for so long today actually and i remembered also yeah like i started since i was a kid you know like i i um would get all the national geographics and would i was in love with all the pictures and the mm -hmm. stories behind you know those pictures and uh, the beauty of those pictures was usually how they were in movement and there was something it wasn't just the perfect shot you know it wasn't just this like perfectly like um uh, perfect aesthetics like yeah staged. aesthetics like yeah exactly it's there's there's a story in, under in in that picture so i think what i've always loved about traveling or exploring was to know the story and I don't think you can really know the story if you're trying to fill in so much and trying to like see so much. So the first time I actually visited Iceland, I went for seven days and I did the whole of Iceland in five days. Oh, the wow. ring road plus the Westfjords in five days. And I managed to see a lot because X was driving and we were just like driving every day and just going and seeing things. And it was beautiful. I saw a lot of Iceland. But I felt like I, I missed a lot of Iceland because I was driving and I was seeing houses or farms and I was thinking what it would be like to like live in that house for, you know, a week. And and then that's I think that's the beauty of like, I think that's what I'm trying to do now is to not try to fit in too much in one holiday or one travel, but then more like what I'm craving is to go to a place and be in that same place for like three days and just experience as much as possible from that place in that moment. And really the like mundane things, I really want to see what people are doing every day and what's a normal day to for that person or like the stories behind that place, you know, like what makes that place special. And it doesn't have to be a really big thing. It can be just everyday life things. So when I went to Greece also that uh, one time with my mom for Easter, um, visiting her village, what I loved about that 
um, trip was that I learned so many things about my mom uh, that I didn't know because uh, I got to hear them through the voices of other people. So it wasn't my mom that was telling these stories. They were just saying, like, you remember when, uh, yeah, Magda, Magda is my mom. Yeah, she broke her arm once because she was looking like she was trying to watch a movie, uh, but she didn't have the money to go through to the movie theater. So she climbed a tree and she was wearing a skirt. And <laughs> and your mom was like, your grandma was really angry because girls were not supposed to climb trees at uh, that time. And, you know, <laughs> so it's just like you get so much story, like and so much context and so much uh, more information from just even a tiny story that, you know, and um I don't know. It's. I think it's better than. I hate. I really, really deeply hate going to on holidays in places where you just stay in your hotel and you just stay at the pool and you don't visit the place. You know, you maybe get the picture, perfect picture of the beach, but that's it. You don't. You don't see anything else. And um, yeah. So I think I. I, I travel now for stories and I think maybe I've always kind of craved that I've always craved the stories so but even more now like now I'm doing it uh, consciously like when I'm going to a place I want to know what 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 the story behind that place is and you know the people's story and everything yeah and I think it's so important to remember that when you travel instead of booking a whole itinerary because sometimes you hear the best stories when you just sit in the park and yeah. just literally spend your entire day there. You don't know who you're going to meet. You don't know who you're going to talk to. You don't know who you're going to observe. Like your day could just turn out completely different than you'd imagine, but just yeah. go with it, you know, learn the, talk to the, and I think that's so important what you were talking about. And I actually talked with another guest on the podcast about the difference between holiday and travel. Holiday, yeah. you know, if you want to go relax in the in the hotel or at the resort by the beach, you know, everybody needs that every now and then. But if you want to travel, like it's so important to get out there for me. And and again, I'm the same way. I'm a huge story person. Like I want to know more about the culture. I want to hear the stories of the locals. Yeah. And one of uh, one of the stories that you were talking about was in the souks in Morocco. I don't want to pass over that because I think it's so interesting because I learned a new word. I literally <laughs> thought it was a it was a a, a spelling error. Um, mm -hmm. But tell me a little bit about your experiences there in Morocco. Well, t tell me how you got to Morocco. That's <laughs> I just love that story. <laughs> so. Um... I, when I was 16, my mom, so that's actually, I think, a story that kind of shaped a lot of travels later on and also how I see traveling now because it was a little bit traumatic also. <laughs> so we got to Morocco. My mom decided that we, yeah, we were going to go to Morocco. And that was the first time I was getting out of the EU, actually. So I've never been outside of Europe uh, for me, that was like amazing because I was actually getting, I needed a visa to get out of Europe and and was just so amazing. And I, I felt so exotic. It's so like crazy travel <laughs> for me. So 16 years old with my sister and my mom and uh, my dad, I think. Yes. And uh, we uh, got to Morocco 
and my mom actually hadn't booked a place to stay. So we got there <laughs> and I don't know how she did that, but Talk about that was my, my anxiety just went like, like this when you got there like mom you haven't booked any place no we're gonna find a place like mom how how did you do this like where are we gonna sleep like that's not like that's like my my family like just traveling with my family has been always pretty anxious thing like pretty (laughs) stressful thing but that was the the really the max the the like the worst thing that my mom could have ever done to me, I think. But then we actually found a place directly. And she was like, you see, everything just works out fine. And I was like, mom, don't be proud of this. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, yeah, it was just pretty amazing experience. I remember that trip. Uh, um, like, we uh, we were just in a normal apartment. It wasn't a hotel or anything like that. So what that meant was that... We had to go and shop food and we had to go in and busy places. You know, it wasn't like a hotel where you have everything mm, ready yeah. for you. And yeah. so you actually go and see what is available in, in the shops. And you actually, uh, we went to a restaurant or two, but I, I think we mostly cooked for ourselves. And then we ate also in the souks. And uh, so Marrakesh is really beautiful. Uh, it's a... Uh, it's such a loud city, uh, so much like the heat, the smells, the the people. There's so many people ever. It's such a like really buzzing uh, city. And uh, in the middle of the city, there's the souks. There's Medina. It's the old town. And then the souks uh, where the markets are. So where... You find all the touristy things, of course, but you also find everyday things, you know. So, of course, um, you go there to buy um, babouche. It's like these um, uh, shoes that you wear just uh, inside the house or outside the house made of leather. Kind of like slippers. Yeah, like slippers, but you can also wear them outside. So you have these like beautiful babouche, like, you know. Uh, made of leather and you can have all kind of different decorations on them and you can buy uh, teapots and uh, glasses for tea for you know uh, lamps tables uh, spices you just walk through these like tiny um, uh, bigger or tiny like smaller uh, streets and it's covered so it's outside but it's a little bit covered you know Mm-hmm. and um, depending on where you are and there's just so much everywhere and you have to learn how to walk without watching really looking into the shops otherwise you're going to get stopped every shop because they see they see that you're a tourist and they're like uh, lady or like you know uh, just stop here do you want you know lamps or do you want tables or do you want this and that so you kind of learn to walk and just looking with the side of your eye Mm-hmm. And if you're really interested, you're going to stop. And of course, so many uh, shops sell similar things. So, you know, you're not going to shop, uh, stop in every shop. And um, and then you learn also how to, uh, I, I remember being so, such a nervous kid, by the way. <laughs> but my mom, we, we would shop uh, like shoes and um, 
she would bargain, right? Is that the word? Yeah. Like try haggle to or yeah. bargain. Yeah. Yeah. And I was like, mom, just buy it for the price. And then, you know, like later on you realize, no, they were probably like trying to rip you off. And, but I was so like nervous, like stop, you know, trying to put um, the price down. But then it's actually an experience. You see, like, you know, I, my mom has always been a really strong, you know, figure and just seeing this lady just really not scared of anything and just saying like no this is too expensive I just you know I'm gonna give you this much and the person in front of her like struggling to keep up with her and my mom just being so decisive and like, no I don't want them then I'm just gonna pay this much or I don't want them and then you know that so yeah and uh, that for everything for spices for uh for anything that you could find uh we went and uh, that we went to a um a carpet shop and we bought some carpets and then again in that same place like so much um haggling or whatever it's called mm -hmm. and uh, my dad was there too and of course they were asking my dad uh they were calling my dad chef like you know uh, boss and uh -huh. saying boss what are you saying and he's like, I, don't, I have nothing to say. She's the one deciding. And so they were like jokingly saying, yeah, she's the head of the family. Okay. She's like, you know, a Berber woman. So Berbers are actually the Berber are the uh, uh, nomads in, yeah, the mountain. So it's, yeah. Like it's the desert nomad. area? Yeah. Desert and mountain area in Morocco mm. so they were saying like yeah she's a real Berber woman <laughs> because she was really strong-headed and she wasn't letting you know she wasn't I think that's that's the thing so my mom also never really I mean she's just really street she, she, she she's street smart too and mm -hmm. she never really tried to give us the experience of like traveling from hotels you know from getting everything ready you kind of go and get it for yourself you know that's awesome and uh, yeah yeah she's she's amazing but yeah so <laughs> we got carpets there and then uh, it was also hilarious we went to uh, the mountains uh, the atlas uh, range yeah so okay. we went in a valley yeah. there and that was beautiful it was amazing and on the way back uh, i think we uh, got stopped by the police because there was we were going a little bit too fast and uh, they were gonna find us I think my sister was driving and my mom was in the back seat behind my sister and I was back seat behind my dad and my mom and sister were fighting my mom was trying to tell my sister what to tell the police and the police was just there talking to my sister and they were just like fighting like my mom my sister was telling the, uh, my mom to just stop it like just let me talk and blah blah blah, blah. Just, just fighting like this and then the police man just started laughing at us <laughs> and just <laughs> said you know who you remind us and you remind us of tom and jerry you know tom and jerry you're like tom and jerry <laughs> <laughs> and they thought that we were so ridiculous that they just let us go <laughs> without no giving us no a fine <laughs> So, yeah, I That's think. That's hilarious. I, but I was mortified. I was so embarrassed. I remember like leaving a lot of these experience being really embarrassed and being re really nervous. And now that I think about it again, I'm 
I'm just like so glad that things went the way that they went, that my mom didn't book a place and that we just got to visit the place like this. And that she, I think she's taught me that um, everything would be fine mm. in a way. Mm-hmm. You don't have to have everything um, planned out perfectly that something will come through. Yeah. I, I went from being really nervous uh, planner and traveler like that had to have anything planned because of this I think maybe it was a, a consequence of living these like traumatizing experiences with my mom <laughs> missing ferries and planes and things like that <laughs> so being really like really careful and really organized to now being like oh actually I don't need to be so organized things are gonna just walk be be fine can just experience things like that so yeah that was morocco and then i've been there a few more times after that because um my mom fell in love with morocco and she decided that she wanted to buy the apart an apartment there because that's the kind of things that my mom does she gets an idea and she just goes with it which is again pretty amazing i think (laughs) i love that because i think secretly your mom was also stressed out about not having a place to stay so she's like next time i go to morocco i'm gonna own a place there (laughs) yeah (laughs) yeah yeah, probably that's exactly what happened no that's pretty funny though well let's go ahead and wrap up with the rapid fire facts section do you prefer beaches or cities beaches what is the worst food that you've ever tried? Pungur, so like sheep, sheep's testicle. Oh. In Iceland. <laughs> yeah, that that sounds bad. Yeah. Um, do you prefer do you prefer group or solo travel? Mm, solo travel. If you could live anywhere in the world, where would you want to live permanently? <laughs> That's such a harsh question. Um, Iceland for now, but that may change. <laughs> so <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> when you're flying, do you prefer the window or the aisle seat? Window. Do you like train travel or bus travel more? Train travel because I get motion sickness and more on buses. Do you like shooting with Nikon, Canon or Sony? Uh, Canon. Do you prefer Apple or Android? Android, forever. (laughs) (laughs) What is your favorite airline that you've flown on? Aegean. Aegean Airlines. It's just good food, beautiful um, crew, (laughs) really. (laughs) So, yeah. Nice. What is your favorite city that you visited? Uh, Athens, for now, I think. Nice. And last question, what makes travel worth it to you personally? Just the, um, I guess the, yeah, as we were saying, like the learning opportunities from traveling and the opening, like your mind and just kind of blurring your own boundaries and lines in your own mind and brain. You realize how we're all kind of connected 
I think more if you're traveling. If you stay in your uh, cocoon in your place forever in the same place, then these lines and boundaries are become very defined and very solid and really hard to break. And I think if you're traveling, it's just the whole world becomes kind of yours and all the stories you can learn from that. Thank you so much for joining us today. If you enjoyed this episode, be sure and leave us a review on Apple Podcasts and share this conversation with your friends. You can find me on social media at Travel Worth Living or on the web at TravelWorthLiving.com. I sincerely hope you'll join me again next week for another incredible conversation about travel. I'm Seth Sutherland, and this is Travel Worth Living.